Um, good morning. Listen as I read. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is, life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life span? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Peace be with you. Thank you for reading that, Glenn. Um, this, uh, we, we have been in, the ser- in a series in the Gospel of Matthew, and most recently we've been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. And that was the text that, that was uh, our text for last Sunday. <clears throat> and um, th- this Sunday, we're not really in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, and I'll explain more about that in a second. Um, there, there is a tie-in with the text that we just read, but um, man, I just, like, I, th- those verses, um, that, that section of the Sermon on the Mount, um, I mean, I preached a sermon on it last week, but it doesn't feel like you need to preach on it. It feels like it just carries itself, doesn't it? I mean, it's just such good news that if the God, you know, if, if God takes care of the birds like that, then isn't he going to take care of you? And if he, if he dresses the grass like that, isn't he going to take care of you? Uh, we, we really don't, you know, you don't have to be anxious about this stuff. He says, tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Don't, don't burden down today with worry. Not if you have a heavenly father that cares for you like that. Uh, so these are just, these are good, good news. It's just, it's just good, it's good words. So uh, reading it again was a, was a win. Um, but like I said, we've been in a series on, in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, normally in November, we take some time 
and we revisit our vision as a church. And uh, last year, I think we took five or six Sundays to do that. Uh, most years, it's either two or three Sundays. And so th- th- that's what we're going to do today is uh, spend a little bit of time talking about uh, this church and uh, uh, what God has been doing in this church and what God is doing, and maybe a little bit of uh, forecasting, some, some dreaming about maybe what, uh, what could be in, in front of us. Uh, and so uh, it's a, not a normal sermon. It's not a normal Sunday. Uh, normally, I have maybe three or four slides, and I have like 12 today. So uh, yeah, so buckle up. Um, I think you, I was under the impression that we had an extra hour. Someone said that. <laughs> I thought that that was true. Um, oh, maybe that was a mistake. Okay. <clears throat> Um, <laughs> lost an hour. Oh, man. Um, all right. So uh, this, this is a slide that if you're a regular here, uh, this is going to be a, a slide that is familiar to you, this next one. Um, but we just walk through some of what we call the, the sojourn building blocks. And that is, you know, we, we start with the gospel, the, the, the good news of what God has done. And our objective is to represent this every single week. And one of the definitions, there's many ways that you could describe the gospel. There's only one gospel, but there's a bunch of ways you could talk about it. One of the definitions that we tend to like is through the person and work of Jesus Christ, God fully accomplishes salvation for us, rescuing us from judgment for sin into fellowship with him, and then restores the creation in which we can enjoy our new life together with him forever. And the, and the invitation is, do, do, you, do you believe that? Because if you believe that, then that means that you, you, if you put your hope in Jesus, then it changes everything. It means that you have been scooped up into his arms. You've been welcomed in. You've been adopted. You've been made alive. And you've been given a new, a new identity. And some of you know that in, our, in the logo of our church, the, the O functions as a thumbprint. And that's because we actually think it's pretty important to try to think about or to revisit uh, the identity that Jesus says we have if we've run to him. And we've described that with uh, kind of using five identities. It's all just different angles on what it means to be uh, one who has been rescued by Jesus. And, And the five words that we're using to describe that are a worshiper, a witness, family, servant, and steward. And we've talked about these many times, and today the objective is not to try to talk about all five of those, uh, but it's just a way to, you know, sometimes if you think of like this good news of the gospel as a crystal, and you just turn it and let the light shine through from all these different angles, uh, that, that's kind of how we think about our identity. It's just so rich and deep that maybe by talking about it from five aspects, it helps us grasp the significance of it, because we are sons and daughters. We are brothers and sisters. That's the family piece. But we're also worshipers, and we're also witnesses, and we're also stewards, and we're also servants. And it's this beautiful uh, relationship and, and adventure uh, that God has, has brought us into uh, when, we've run, when we've run to Christ. So the gospel gives us this new identity. Um, values. Uh, as a church, we've referred to our values as kind of the special sauce, the secret sauce, um, because there's a lot of churches in Traverse City that believe the gospel, and we are so thrilled about that. Uh, and a lot of those churches would, would affirm that Jesus gives us a new identity, and they might even talk about identity in a similar way. Uh, but, but, you know, the, we're, a, we're a local church that sits in a specific property and has a specific building, and you're, you're sitting at this church today. So maybe what makes Sojourn Sojourn? And uh, over the last few years, we've identified four values, and those values are wholeness, generosity, curiosity, and dependence. Uh, that as a church family, these are things that we, uh, we were invited to say, it's kind of like a treasure hunt. 
Like go looking around your congregation and what are the things that, are, that you already find, that are already bubbling up in the nature of the community uh, that God has created uh, at, at, uh, at our church. And, uh, and again, today's sermon is not to talk through all four of these values, uh, but those are the values that we've identified. And then we have our, our mission and strategy, why, why we exist and what we do. And we've communicated those, uh, our mission and our strategy, this way, that we exist to help people follow Jesus by offering a pathway to explore and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we, we, what we want to do, our mission, is to help people follow Jesus. And you know, our mission is a ripoff of Matthew 28. It's plagiarism of Matthew 28 because Jesus is the one who gave his church a mission. And so our mission, the language might change, but the mission itself never changes. It's this invitation to be about the work of Jesus in the world. And so right now, the language that we're using is to help people follow Jesus. That's never going to change. The strategy, man, the strategy is changing all the time. The strategy is the how. And the world changes and technology changes and distance, you know, transportation, all, all this stuff changes. And so as the world changes, it's our responsibility as the people of God to say that mission is way too important to not adjust how we go about that mission. And so the strategy of our church has changed over the years. And it's, you know, honestly, I think it's faithful to constantly be asking the question of, is this strategy an effective, is it being effective? And about two years ago, as we were trying to come out of COVID as a church, um, Sojourn moved into a, a season of, of transition. Um, and, and we were, we were tried to be very open and honest with you as a congregation that we sense we were moving into that kind of a time. Uh, and that transition was felt in a number of ways, but not least of which was, was with our staff. Um, and over the course of 2022, uh, we were able to bring onto our team uh, five different directors. Some were full-time, some weren't, uh, but to oversee specific areas of our ministry. And as 22, uh, 2022 unfolded, uh, two of our directors, Jeannie and Barb, who had been uh, rich parts of our team and God had used them to, to bring to life very important things. Je Jeannie was functioning as our executive director, um, and then Barb Jordan was functioning as our uh, director of, of groups. Um, uh, they, they came on in 2022. Over the course of 2023, both of them have stepped off of staff. And, uh, and, and we, we so thank God for the, the role that they had with us. They served our church in beautiful and important ways. Uh, their names are commonly brought up uh, in conversations here. They both still are part of our Sojourn family, uh, our community groups. Barb oversaw our community groups and uh, brought them from the place of, of near death to a place of, of flourishing. And we're thrilled about that. Um, and so we, we thank God for those two. Uh, what, what that left us with were, were Dave Ballard, Jen Anderson and Mason Van Valen, uh, and then Krista and I are kind of the old dogs. You know, we, we've been around for, for, for a while. Krista keeps us all, all in line. Um, but, but Dave Ballard, uh, you might know this, uh, mid-year we moved Dave to a position of interim executive director as, uh, as Jeannie had stepped off staff. And uh, I don't think we've made this official, but uh, maybe two months ago, uh, we took the interim title off of Dave Lamb's title, and he is the executive director. So, what did I say? Dave Lamb, who I love too. Dave Ballard. Yeah, Dave Ballard. So Dave, can you just stand up? Not that you need to stand up, you're that tall, but yeah. 
And so, so yeah, so Dave, Dave Ballard was serving as our Sojourn Students Director and Sojourn Director of, of uh, Sojourn in the Wild. And uh, we moved him to Sojourn, uh, exec- our executive director. And it's just been, it's been a great thing. D- Dave and I, our friendship is deepening uh, step by step. And we're, we're super, super thankful for that. Uh, Jen Anderson, uh, are you in here, Jen? Jen serves as our Sojourn Kids Director. She's probably down with the kids. And then Mason is down doing worship right now. No, he's not. He's back up. Okay, Mason, who just led our worship, is serving as our worship director. And, um, and we've been thrilled. Uh, Krista Gussler just got back. Uh, they drove uh, all day yesterday getting back from a trip uh, out to New Mexico. Um, and so we're thankful for the staff that we have. Uh, we're curious, and we, we're, we're really curious about what God might do in 2024. Uh, we think that there's space for, for one more uh, team member, and we'll see, uh, see how that goes. Um, but during that time, and during this time still, we asked you not just for your patience. We did ask you for your patience, but we also asked you for your partnership. We, we, we asked you to, to partner with us, that it's a season of transition, and we can't guarantee how it's going to go, and we can't guarantee when it's exactly going to end. Uh, but we looked forward with anticipation and hopefulness as we saw that God was, was moving and opening up some opportunities and trusting that he would lead us. And so one year ago, when we did this, this time of, of vision and, and revisiting our vision, uh, we, we, we referenced that there were four things that we were going to try to lean into over the course of the next uh, couple years. And one of those was, was this time right here, what we call our gathering, our Sunday gathering, our worship gathering, where we come and we, uh, we try to do what we call gospel representation. And we hold up the good news about Jesus together, and we do it collectively. And if you're a regular part of our church, you know that we, uh, during COVID, we had all kinds of um, capacity limits and two services, one service. And then in 2022, same thing. 2023, we were at one service for a while, at two services for a while. Now we're back at one service. And so we certainly thank you for your patience through all this. But we also thank you for your partnership. Uh, because we actually have, have seen growth and strengthening of this time, of this gathered worship. And we are, we're, we're thrilled about that. Attendance is up, and, uh, and so, so is the joy. Uh, our groups was another thing that we said we we're going to lean into. And those were relaunched in the fall of 2022 under uh, Barb's leadership. And um, we obviously launched again for the fall of 2023. Uh, over the last week or so, I've received a number of what we call 60s, the 60-day reports from our community group leaders. And um, man, just, I mean, you know, there's challenges and everybody's working through all kinds of things, of course, uh, but there's just a lot of highlights and a lot of wins that are happening in regard to the relationships of people that are in our community groups. And uh, they are essential. They are a, just a core piece to how we function as a church. And so we are, we're thrilled about that. Uh, a third place that we said we were going to invest in was serving. Uh, that we wanted to get, uh, you know, pre- before COVID, our church was marked as a, as a congregation that was extremely active uh, in the broader community and active within our community as well. And so we pitched an idea of Sojourn Kids Plus One and just said, if you call Sojourn Home, we would love for you to consider serving in Sojourn Kids and then picking one more ministry that you would, you would get involved in. And I don't have a number on how many people did that, but I think that our Sojourn Kids volunteers went up by almost 50% uh, in the months after that. And it was a a huge shot in the arm for our children's ministry uh, to just have a a growing team of adults who love kids and want to be part of seeing them be exposed uh, to to the good news uh, about Jesus. Uh, And then the fourth one was Sojourn in the Wild. And Sojourn in the Wild was an idea uh, that we were gonna take some time as a church family 
and we were going to uh, get out of here. Go, go, go out in God's good creation and spend time together, recognizing that those kinds of trips can deepen friendships in, in just really special ways. I mean, community group once a week or a few times a month is one thing, and that has incredible potential over the course of a, the long haul. Uh, but, you know, uh, Sojourn in the Wild was meant to be trips where it's like just a few people together for like, you know, several days in a row. And, uh, and, and so we, we launched that this summer, had a few trips, learned some things, and we wanna, uh, you know, we're excited about 2024. And those dates will be released in late winter, early spring, and we hope that you can participate uh, in deepening some, some relationships there. So thank you for your patience, and thank you for your, your partnership. So wh- where do we sense God at work as, as we look at the future? Well, I, I, want, I want to give you just a quick um, history of our, of our church. Um, some of you are, are, are new here, and you know, I, I actually said to someone recently, to a couple people, um, that if, if you've been around, back in 2013, about 10 years ago, there was a really sweet season that we started to enter as a church. And we started to see a number of new faces, and, and the congregation started to pick up a little bit of a, just kind of a sense of anticipation and a sense of joy. And um, th- there's been some, some of those dynamics that I think we've been experiencing this fall. Uh, really excited about the way that God's at work, really excited about the way that you're receiving uh, the work of God through, through Sojourn Church, and uh, it makes us excited to see what the next years are, are going to hold. Um, and so because you might not have been around that long, I just want to give you a little snapshot about the way that God's, God's been at work uh, in this 101-year-old church. So in 20, 1922, uh, People's Gospel Church was founded by Charles Bowman, he was an Englishman, and the church started ministry downtown. They ended up on the southeast corner of State and Barlow. And if you drive down to State and Barlow, you'll see a, a building that functions as an apartment complex now. Uh, but that's on the southeast corner of, of State and Barlow. That was our church building uh, for a number of years. In 1941, uh, this church began to broadcast on WTCM, which was Traverse City's first radio station. And the very first Sunday that Traverse City had its own radio station, at 11 o'clock on that very first Sunday, our church was broadcasting our worship service on the very first Sunday that Traverse ever had had its own radio station. In 1946, uh, changed the name to Emmanuel Baptist. So it went from People's Gospel Church to, Be- uh, to Emmanuel Baptist Tabernacle and then to Emmanuel Baptist Church. In 1958, uh, they bought the other corner of State and Barlow, the southwest corner of State and Barlow, and built a building. And if you drive down to State and Barlow, you'll see the apartment complex on the left, and you will see uh, a small church called Traverse City Christian Church now. And that is the building that this church built uh, back in 1958. In 1975, in that ballpark, they purchased this property, about 15 acres of, of land. And in the 1975-1976, moved up here and began ministry in a, in a larger building, in a larger property, in an area that was not developed. Um, if, if you were around back then, you know, there was buffalo farms, not just across the street, but everywhere. There was no mall. And uh, the, the, the stories that have been told to me were everyone was asking the pastor, why are you moving us out in the boonies? And, uh, and so six, six or seven miles from downtown and uh, moved out here in 19, 1975. Uh, the, the first decade in this building was, was pretty good, but then the next two decades uh, were, were, were a little difficult. Uh, there were several church splits, and, uh, and it was a, a kind of a complicated time uh, in, the, in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Um, in, in 2009, I came in 2006, 
And from 2006 to 2009, you know, the church probably deserves a refund. Um, but in, 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 two, in 2009, we, we actually, we started, to, we started to see some signs of life. Uh, we had started a, a ministry called TC Cares, and it was a one-day clinic that was ministering to the poverty community. And um, God, in his kindness, uh, just he, he used that event to start to stir some really good questions in our congregation, questions that we didn't have great answers to. It, it started to stir in, in my heart in some significant ways. 2009, uh, some additional things began to happen. And, um, and at least in, in, in my own telling of the history, uh, recent history, uh, 2009 was a significant uh, pivot point, a, a time where we started to see the early signs of renewal uh, and re- revival in, in our congregation. Um, in 2014, uh, we changed our name from Emmanuel Baptist Church to Sojourn Church. And, uh, you know, Sojourn, the, the name Sojourn, it, it's, it's someone who's on a journey, but they're having, it's a short stay while they're on a journey. And the Bible refers to God's people as sojourners a few different times. And it just seemed like, boy, that is a great way to describe how a lot of us are experiencing the world. Uh, it's a great reflection of how God sees his people on an earth that is broken. We do believe that this earth is going to be remade, that heaven is actually a place on earth, that the eternal kingdom is here, but not in this condition, not, not the way it is now. Sin has infected this world and it's broken. Uh, and so in the world as it is, God's people are actually sojourners here. When God makes all things new, it's going to be our perfect home. But right now, we, we, we are sojourners. And so in 2014, we, we voted together as a congregation and, and changed our name and uh, really started to lean into the idea. In Romans chapter 15, Paul says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And really trying to ask the questions of like, what would it be like to be a welcoming church? Uh, instead of maybe a church that had more of a reputation of being um, inward focused to actually try to have more of an outward focused posture uh, in, in the world. Uh, then in 2022, uh, we celebrated our 100th anniversary. And uh, we did that with a couple parties. We rented the uh, opera house downtown and we had a, a, just a, a really, that was a, a year, a little over a year ago, a really fun time. Now that's 101 years of history uh, with just a few bullet points. As you can imagine, there's all kinds of things that happened. Charles Bowman was the first pastor. There's been, I think, uh, eight more pastors since him. And God used uh, all these pastors in significant ways to, to minister to this congregation and to the city. But there's no way we can include uh, all of those details. Um, But as we think of ourselves as a church, you know, one of the important components is shared language. And so what I just shared with you a minute ago about how we talk about the gospel, what our values are, what our identity is, those things all fit into this sense of a shared language. Um, And and I've done this a few times in membership classes and things like that. But there's, there are some, there's some phrases that have just become kind of special to us uh, over the years. They're, they're the kind of phrase that either uh, from a, a sermon that I preached or from a sermon that a guest preached or from a book that we've read or from a, a study that we've been going through, some, some phrase or language pops up and it just kind of seems to get traction. And, uh, or at least I keep repeating it, one, one of the two. And, uh, and, and they kind of end up becoming something of significance for us. And so I want to invite you into some of these phrases. And every one of them could be a sermon in and of themselves. But let me, let me just kind of r- roll through a few of them. Uh, you, you heard this language this morning, the, the, the invitation that we read <clears throat> every Sunday. Uh, and, and it's the, the language that, starts off, like that, that says, This church opens wide her doors with a welcome from Jesus. 
And we love that that's early in our service and that that's an invitation to you to recognize that we do not expect you to check all your stuff at the door, to leave all your hard stuff in your car, and to come in here with a smiley face. Like, you're free to come in here with a smiley face. Sometimes life is joyful. Uh, but you're also free to come in here with, with everything that's going on. And uh, this church wants to open wider doors with a welcome from Jesus. Gospel representation. I've already said that. Uh, you've heard that word, uh, that phrase a couple times today. Uh, the priority that when we gather, we want the gospel to be rehearsed. We want to hear it again and again and again uh, because we think it's easy to forget. And one of the things that I've learned in my own life is that I think one of the reasons why Christians often struggle to talk about the gospel with non-Christians is because they don't talk about the gospel with each other. They don't talk about the gospel enough. And so the more we represent it and the more we orient ourselves to it, uh, the more it fills our heart. And then it's like a, it's a, it bubbles out. It's an it's a automatic way of, of seeing the world. Uh, the gospel is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life, and it's true. Uh, those words are on the wall out in our welcome room. And uh, that is just an invitation to recognize that if you think you know the gospel, um, let me tell you, it is, it is way richer and way deeper uh, than we could have ever guessed. Uh, one of the phrases that didn't make it on the cut here, but it's like the gospel is like a, a, like a swimming pool that's so shallow on the one end, anyone can get in it, but it's so deep on the other end that no one can actually touch the bottom. And this gospel is, is worth exploring. Uh, a church not for ourselves. This has uh, become a refrain that uh, has been incredible. That doesn't mean that we aren't a church for ourselves. Of course, of course we want to be a place where you can grow and where you can come um, uh, learn, learn more about who God is and, and grow more like Jesus. But, but that's the easy part. It's, it's easy to be inward focused. It's hard to be outward focused. And so we want to be a church not for ourselves. Uh, the phrase, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. I believe that that is C.S. Lewis. And that's a... That's a Boy, that's, that carries a lot right there. Uh, we, the gospel tells us that we are worse than we think we are, and yet we are more loved than we could have ever dared to, to hope. And so there's this good news that while the gospel includes bad news, the good news is so overwhelming uh, that the gospel would actually say my sin is so bad that someone had to die for it. That's how bad it is. And not just anybody, but the Son of God. And yet, the one who, who had to die wanted to die. And so he, he loves us more than we could have ever guessed. Uh, all you need is need. Uh, but, but most people don't have it. So the, the, the message of the gospel is, is all you have to do is recognize that you can't save you. All you have to do is recognize that you need someone else to rescue you. But, but most people have a hard time getting there. All, all you need is need, but most people don't have it. Uh, the gospel does not destroy effort. It destroys earning. And I think this is somewhat of a play off of a Dallas Willard quote. The gospel does not destroy effort. It destroys earning. In other words, the grace of God is incredible, and it saves us in spite of our sin, and it's by grace alone. But that then doesn't mean that you just lollygag. It doesn't mean that you don't care about anything in the world. It doesn't destroy effort. It destroys earning. That all that we do for God, all, the, all of our action, isn't to try to earn anything. And that leads into the next one. We are working from love, not for love. So if you're at church today to try to earn God's love... If you're doing this to try to get love from God, you, 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 don't, you, you, haven't gotten, uh, you haven't quite figured out the gospel yet. Because the good news of the gospel is you're not working for love, you're working from love. And then a couple quotes that are a little bit more recent, but a little bit of scripture to a little bit of life. A little bit of scripture to a little bit of life. You know, this book is a big book, 66 books, 
Lots and lots of 1,200 chapters, lots and lots of verses. There's a lot of content in here. And it could feel overwhelming, especially if you are kind of new to the faith. And so an invitation would be a little bit of scripture to a little bit of life. And guess what? Next quote. If you're in it for the long haul, that is going to bear some fruit. You know, sometimes I think about all of this action, this activity for God. And if you thought about every single thing as like, when you do these things, let's just say you get a brick. So every time you go to church, you get a brick. Every time you spend time with God in the scripture, you get a brick. Every time you help your neighbor, you get a brick. Every, every time you, you, you initiate this, this relationship with God, you, you get a brick. At the end of the year, man, like at the end of the day, you maybe got three. But at the end of the year, you could have a thousand. I mean, you, you could build something with a thousand bricks. But if you never engage in this, if, you, if your relationship with God is casual, if it's occasional, and you end your year every year with 10 or 11 bricks, then we shouldn't be that surprised that our character is not being built out, that the resources aren't there. So a little bit of scripture to a little bit of life. Don't try to, you know, how do you eat an elephant? You eat an elephant one bite at a time. How do you understand the scriptures? A little bit of scripture to a little bit of life. But if you're in it for the long haul, that can reap incredible fruit. So God has been, he's been so, so faithful to us. I mean, our, our biggest lesson from our 100th anniversary is not, wow, look at how faithful this church has been. It was, wow, look at how faithful God's been. We've had church splits and we've had scandals and we've had problems and we've had all kinds of things. And there, there, there's one character in this story who's been faithful and it's, it's the God of heaven, been so faithful to us. So what about the next 100 years, Right. Well, none of us will be around for the end of that, but it's still a good question. So, so maybe not what's up for the next hundred years, but what's up for the next season? Like what's up for the next five to seven years? Well, we want to keep pursuing rich, meaningful gospel representation on Sunday mornings. Uh, we see this as an incredible resource of spiritual vitality. We see this as a space where we gain incredible amounts of unity. Uh, that shared language, much of that shared language is, is, is fostered uh, in, this, in this setting, and we don't think that it can be matched anywhere else. So we're going to continue to invest in Sunday morning worship. Um, but there are two areas that, that just keep, uh, seem to keep bubbling up. So let me, let me share them uh, with the time that we have left. First, helping people follow Jesus is our mission language. Helping people follow Jesus together. Now that might be already inherent in the phrase, helping people follow Jesus, um, but I want to I put an accent on that idea of doing it together. Um, you, you may be well aware that over the last period of time, especially post-COVID, a problem that existed way before COVID has been uh, accelerated, and that is the problem of, of loneliness. Uh, years ago, I remember when the story broke that the UK had appointed a minister of loneliness and I remember talking about that on a Sunday and saying, like, that's what's going on in the UK. <laughs> the UK needs a minister of loneliness because it has gotten so bad. So many people are living by themselves. And as they get older, they have no one around them. No one is helping them. No one is keeping an eye on them. And their health is deteriorating and the relationships uh, have deteriorated. And it was, a, it was a major story. Well, it's not just the UK. Um, there is a dramatic increase in living by yourself. Just as an example, a statistic that's an example of this, there's a dramatic increase of living by yourself in the United States. 
Uh, Over the last years, there has been a dramatic increase. In 1950, only 4 million Americans lived alone. Only 4 million. By 1960, there were 7 million. So over the decade, it almost doubled. So we're seeing a trend. But from 1960, when there were 7 million, till the end of 2022, at the end of 2022, there are now 37.89 million single resident households. It went from 7 million in 1960 to 37.89 million at the end of last year. That is a 30 million resident increase, or if you're into percentages, that is a 428% increase in 60 years. Now, living by yourself, some people want to live by themselves. Not everybody who's living by themselves does want to live by themselves. There's all kinds of things that could go into this statistic, but it is a statistic that people often point to that dovetails with the reported spike in loneliness, that people are experiencing life and they look around and they're like, I don't have any friends. I don't have anybody to do life with. Dr. Vivek Murthy, who is our US Surgeon General, He called loneliness a national epidemic. And an epidemic is a widespread occurrence of an infectious disease in a community at a particular time. And our U.S. Surgeon General says that loneliness has become an epidemic in the U.S. Maybe you're familiar with the the long report that he wrote, but this is is what part, part of that report says. Loneliness is far more than just a bad feeling. It harms both individual and societal health. It is associated with a greater risk of cardiovascular disease, dementia, stroke, depression, anxiety, and premature death. The mortality impact of being socially disconnected is similar to that caused by smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day, and even greater than that associated with obesity and physical inactivity. The U.S. Surgeon General is saying that loneliness is is as bad as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That there's something about the need that we have as human beings, people who have been made in the image of God, to not be doing life all by ourselves. We need community. The Bible makes the case time and time again. And as in, back in 2009, when the gospel started to, to go to full color for us, um, I remember a conversation that I had with some of our leaders, and we were just like, man, we're starting to grasp this gospel, and you know what it's pushing us towards? It's pushing us towards community. It's like the more you understand about the gospel, the more you realize I'm not meant to do this by myself. The more you understand about the gospel, the more you realize that you can't see yourself very clearly. The text that we just read from Matthew chapter 6, the illustration about the eyes. He says, the point is basically this. If, if your eyes are bad, it doesn't matter how bright the lights are. You can't see. And he's saying, if you can't evaluate yourself, then you don't have any idea how to solve the problem. You, 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 you left to yourself. It's not a good, that's not a good situation. And when you're living lonely, when you're living alone, you, you are often ill-equipped to navigate life. And the statistics are now showing that. We need people who know us and people who love us. We were built for it. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, the the German theologian and pastor, he wrote a little book called Life Together. And in that little book, he said, over the course of two different chapters, but he basically says this, everybody needs community and everybody needs alone time. You need both. 
You, you have to have both. And some of our percentages are going to be different. Some of you are introverts and you're like, I need a little alone time. Yeah, I get it. And some of you are extroverts and it's like, can I have more people please? And Diedrich says, yeah, you need both. If you're coming to any sort of a conclusion that you don't need both, you're misunderstanding how you've been designed. We, we need community. And this is a reason why our community groups are so important to us. Sundays are great, but they are not sufficient. We, we need more community around us than that. Um, some of you uh, that maybe are into music or into musicals, you might know the name Rodgers and Hammerstein. Um, they're famous, most famous, I think, for Sound of Music. But one of their other musicals was a musical called Carousel. And there was a song in that, in that musical and the, the lyric was, you'll never walk alone. Now, some of you are European uh, football fans, soccer fans, and you might cheer for Liverpool, the football club, and they sing this song all the time in their stadium. Thousands and thousands, if they have a huge stadium, thousands and thousands of people, and they're singing some old musical song that I don't even think is that great of a song, honestly, but they sing it because the idea is, You'll never walk alone. If you're, if you're, they're, they're the Reds, the Liverpool Reds. If, if you're with Liverpool, you never walk alone. And you know, I was thinking about that a couple weeks ago. And I was just like, man, what, what if, what if that was the marker of our church? That if you're with Sojourn, you'll, you don't have to walk alone. You never, you never have to walk alone. Now look, that, that doesn't mean that you get to sit back and go on cruise control. Like you got to be invested, but you, you don't have to walk alone. I think that's the message of Christian community is that there's a seat open, that the doors are wide open, that you're invited in, that there's people who actually want to know you and want to care about you. I mean, this is a challenge for all ages, but I don't know if you've seen the stats for Gen Z, which I think that's like nine years old to 24 years old or something. Uh, but the stats for Gen Z, man, there's an incredible opportunity for us as a church family to figure out a way to provide community for Gen Z. And it's a challenge for both genders. So both women and men are facing the challenges of loneliness, but it is higher with men. And there's a, a, a website and a blog. Uh, they have a blog, they have a podcast, all this stuff, but it's called The Art of Manliness. And I have been following them on and off for a long, long time. But years ago, the founder of that, his name is Brett McKay, he, he wrote a blog post and he gave 10 reasons why you should consider, obviously this is for men, he says 10 reasons why you should go to church even if you're not religious. And one of the reasons was men are so bad at making friends that when it's time to like figure out how to make a friend, you sit there and you stare at your phone and you're like, oh, I don't want to text anybody. I don't want to be needy. Uh, what are we even going to do? What are, we, what am I, what are you going to go, go to tea? I mean, like, you know, what are we going to do? So he, Brett McKay says this, let, let me tell you what, what happens at church. Now, obviously, I would have a much deeper understanding than Brett is presenting. But Brett says, here's what's going to happen at church. You just have to get in your car and drive over there at 10 o'clock on Sunday. And guess what's going to happen? There's going to be potentially hundreds of men who are going to be glad to see you. And they're going to shake your hand and they're going to ask you your name. And if you go back the next Sunday, guess what? a really large percentage of them are going to be there again. And they're going to say, hey, I remember you. Remind me of your name. And you can actually build friendships on auto, like just by showing up. You don't have to text anybody. You don't have to come up with an agenda. Is all you have to do is show up and eat jerky. You know, you just have to just show up and, eat, and, and, and just be here. 
And when I read that article, I was like, man, I don't know what to do with this because obviously I think that Christ is the number one reason uh, to, to be at church. But in a world where loneliness is such an epidemic, uh, I found that, in, that advice to be interesting. Just show up here. And we want to be people that welcome you here, that we're glad to see you. Not just, we don't just get up here and I say that, but we all say that. You know, a couple weeks ago, we told you we're not doing a welcome table anymore, at least for a while. And we want the whole church to be the welcome table. We, we want you to welcome people. I mean, you, you might be lonely, but guess what? One of the ways to work out of your loneliness is to actually start a friendship, start a, start a conversation. And so that's, that's an invitation for us as we think about the future. So it's not, I don't have a great, you know, there's not some big ministry strategy that I'm getting ready to unveil. I'm saying that as we help people follow Jesus, we want to do it together. That loneliness is an epidemic in our society. There's a lot of people that are super lonely and you might be one of them and you might live in a house full of people and be one of them. And we want to be a place where you don't have to walk alone. Well, one last note on this, uh, helping people follow Jesus together, and I'm going to share more about this at another time. I just want to put it on your radar. And that is the unity of Christians in our region. I, I actually think that this is an incredible loss uh, for society and for Christians, uh, that we too much function like silos, where there's a church here on McCray Hill Road, and then there's a church on South Airport Road, actually multiple churches on South Airport Road, and then churches on Garfield, and churches downtown. And it's like, and, and we're, we're not working together. We're not, we're not serving together. We're not intermingling. Uh, because you might have more Christians living in your neighborhood than you realize. You might have Christian community around you at your work more than you realize. They just go to a different church. And so I think something to pray about. I mean, Jesus cares about this. John 17, he says, one of the ways the world's going to know that I'm legit is that my people are one. And I think there's a place for denominations. I really do. But I think that the people of God should be united if, 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 they are, if they're followers of Jesus. And so that's something that you can uh, dream, dream with us about too. But helping people follow Jesus together. And then the second one, uh, helping people follow Jesus for the good of the world. For the good of the world. Um, you know, you've probably heard that phrase before that some Christians can be of so, so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. And that, that is, that's an unfortunate reality that, I mean, we, we earned that quote at some level. Um, but I actually think that the more you understand about what God's doing, the more we actually would be, the, the more heavenly minded we are, the better we are for this earth, the, the better we are for, for the people around us. So, you know, we, we live in a place I mean, you know that. We, we live in a place with a zip code. It has a longitude and a latitude. I mean, we live in a place, ground, like that you can put your feet into. We are embodied. We live somewhere. There's a location, and it's called Traverse City. And there's a few passages in the Bible where God invites his people to recognize you're not where you're at on accident. You're where you're at because I wanted you there. And so if you live in Traverse City and I live in Traverse City, you know, what does it look like for us to follow Jesus for the good of the world? to help other people follow Jesus for the good of the world. Now, I know we're tight on time, but I, I, I still want to do this. Uh, I just did a flyover of our church. Let me do a flyover of Traverse City. And I've only lived here 17 years, so I'm probably not qualified to do this, but I've got the microphone, so we're, I'm going to do it. Um, the, the, we, we live in a place that is the original home of the Grand Traverse Band of Ottawa and Chippewa Indians. Uh, Anishinaabek is the, uh, is the name of the, the group of Native Americans that lived here, um, like most properly in Traverse City. And if you're, maybe you're aware that November is Native American uh, Heritage Month. 
And uh, so those, those, those people uh, dwelled in this land before uh, any uh, European people la- landed here. Uh, in in uh, 1847, uh, if you've ever wondered where we got the name for our river, you know, Captain Horace Boardman uh, showed up here and he bought land. 1851, Grand Traverse County became a thing. Uh, also in 1851, uh, the Hannah Lay Company bought land and Hannah uh, ended up becoming the mayor of Traverse City and was a pretty big, uh, a pretty big voice in the development of, of this region. Um, in, 19, in 1852, the first cherry orchards were planted. In 1881, Traverse City State Hospital uh, began, they began the process of opening that incredible facility, 135 acres, dozens of buildings, um, hundreds of employees, hundreds of patients. Uh, their, their first director's name was Dr. James Munson. Yeah, that's where we get our hospital. Uh, and they had a theory. If you've ever wondered, you know, if you've been over to the village, the commons, um, that's being revitalized, and you're like, why are these buildings so beautiful? I thought this was a mental institute. You might know the answer, but the reason is it was something called the Kirkbride model, and one of the phrases that they used was beauty is therapy. And so they said, you know, all the, these people that are suffering with mental illness, we want to bring them to a place where, where beauty is all around them. And so they built buildings that were beautiful. I mean, those buildings are beautiful, and those 135 acres are beautiful. And one of the people that was uh, one of their faculty there, one of the, the people on staff, traveled the world and brought trees back. And he brought all kinds of different, uh, different trees to that property. And from what I understand, Michigan State actually sends a class up here to, to study those trees because there's so many different trees in a short, in a, in a small little spot. Uh, but uh, 1881 is when that got going. 1915, uh, Munson Medical Center wasn't called that, but that our, our, our hospital got its start. And it's become a, a very successful regional hospital. 1928, and Academy for the Arts uh, began uh, its, its work to uh, enhance the, the arts. In 1963, Interlochen added a radio station called, uh, called IPR, uh, which is the local NPR affiliate. And Peter Payette, uh, who's part of our church family here, is the executive director. And Dan Wanshura is one of their on-air talent that, that is a part of our church family as well. Uh, 1951, Northern Michigan College uh, started. Uh, so just, uh, what, 70 years ago, the, the college here started. Um, all along the way, especially over the course of my life, downtown Traverse City and the city council has done a phenomenal job of stewarding growth. Uh, if you spend time on Front Street and State Street, uh, the life of our little downtown, if you don't think it's incredible, you need to go visit some other places because we have an incredible downtown. And another sojourner, Sean Winter, is the planning director for, uh, for Traverse City downtown. And uh, they've just done a really, really phenomenal job. And then you could throw in there festivals. The Cherry Festival, which started a long time ago, which I think started off as the Blessing of the Blossoms, um, then became the Cherry Festival. And then uh, something called the Traverse City Film Festival, uh, it ran from 2005 to about 2021, I think, or something. Um, and, and those were, they played a big part in promoting uh, our, our, our region. Now, you might say, that's an interesting list. Why do you bring them up? But, well, part of the reason why I bring them up is to show you that things are, inter- that, they're, that they're related to each other. The state hospital, it prioritized beauty. It built beautiful things. But it also played, a, it was a big factor in making Munson Medical Center uh, kind of the regional hub. The, the hospital that draws in people from all over northern Michigan to come here and get surgeries, which means that they stay in hotels, which means that they eat at restaurants, 
which often means that they're coming here to buy cars and, and all kinds of all kinds of things. Um, the Interlochen Academy, uh, it's brought beauty and culture to our region. And their radio station has had a pretty big influence on the, uh, the DNA of our, of our region and our city. Uh, the cherries that I mentioned getting planted back in um, 1852, um, they were a major economic driver for a long time, but they also were proof of concept that we were a great region to grow fruit. And over the last few decades, what's happened? Orchards have showed up. Uh, not orchards, vineyards have showed up. And there's been a little bit of a shifting over to vineyards and to wineries, which are now a, um, an economic uh, driver. And then NMC, which started in 1951. Um, you know, we're super thankful for that school. Two of my daughters have taken, three of my daughters have taken classes there. Um, but one interesting thing that you might not know is that they have an aviation program. And their aviation program has played a huge role in our airport qualifying for larger planes because airports are, uh, they're measured by how many takeoffs and landings you have. And the, N the NMC aviation program has a lot of takeoffs and landings, and it's helped our airport get qualified to have larger plane planes landing here, which is another economic driver. And you could list a whole bunch of more things, but I'm, I'm just saying all of these things are related and they brought Traverse City to be what it is today. And some of the things on that list you might love, and some of the things on that list you might not love. Some of the things about our DNA and our culture you might like, and some of the things about our DNA and our culture you might not like, but you're here. This is where you live. This is the place that's been in development for you know, getting close to 200 years, and it didn't get here overnight, and it's made up of character and culture, and your neighbor is part of that, and your coworker is part of that, and it's the place that God has put us, at least for this season of our lives. You're here. What does it look like to love this place? Oh, gosh, I've got a lot more things. Um, so j j just th go through these real quick. County population of Grand Traverse County is 97,000. Our two closest counties, Lelanau and Benzie, are another 40,000 put together. Um, Grand Traverse County, the religious affiliation, 12% of our county is ev evangelical Protestant. 61% are unaffiliated with the church. Uh, Grand Traverse County residents that say they have no religious affiliation 52,722. 52,000 say they have no affiliation with the church. Uh, about 10 years ago, maybe you, some of you remember this, Gallup reported that Traverse City was the 14th largest de-churched city in America. Uh, church attendance in Michigan, so this is for our state, 33% say they regularly attend, 35% say occasionally, 32% say seldom. That stat's a, a couple years old, and the estimates are that that has changed significantly post-COVID. So they've probably all, uh, the regular and the occasional have probably gotten a little bit smaller. And then our state politically, 26% Republican, 32% Democrat, 29% um, in, independent. And there, there's a whole bunch of other stats that we could share. I, 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 I'm sharing all that to say this, that we live, in a, we live in a place. And we don't want to act like Traverse City isn't here. We don't want to act like we don't live in a 231 area code. We don't want to treat the Bible in a way that's so generic that it's not in light of what's happening here. The things that our neighbors care about and the things that our city cares about. And there are a lot of groups of people, I think, that have been uh, like almost ignored by the church. Little, little pockets, sometimes large pockets of, 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 of people that, that care about specific things that I actually think that Christ has something to say about. And that the Bible has something to say about. And that, that we could actually invest ourselves in more. Things like art and things like creation care. Things like political issues. 
You know, 80% of white evangelicals are Republicans. And that can create, a, that, that's not wrong. It's just it can create an environment where it's an echo chamber. And you bring up an idea and everybody thinks it's a good idea because 80% of white evangelicals are Republicans. And so you can accidentally end up with the Republican National Convention's priorities as our priorities. And if you think that's unfair, it, in mainline churches, it happens the other way that their church's agenda can end up being the Democratic National Convention's agenda. And so it's just important for us to be aware of these dynamics at play and to recognize that maybe Jesus has something better for us as a church, better for us for this region, that we actually are value added to this city and to our neighbors, that if our church ever disappeared, our city would actually feel it. So I, the, the bullet points there are you know, that we would be engaged in the heart of the city, uh, that we would bring Christ to neglected and forgotten areas, and then that we would pray, we would pray that, that we would pray for our city. And, and I'll just, I'll close with that. You know, there, there's a principle that is seen in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it's this idea of vicariousness, that one person could stand as a representative for the many. And it happens a whole bunch of times. In Genesis 18, Abraham uh, realizes that Sodom and Gomorrah is a mess and that God would be justified to destroy it. And Abraham goes to God and negotiates with God and says, what if I could just find, you know, a, 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 like 50 righteous people down there? And God's like, okay. I mean, there's a lot more than 50 people down there, but if you can find 50 righteous ones, I won't do it. Abraham looks and he's like, okay, uh, how about 10? The point is that, that Abraham as a righteous man was saying, what if there's, what if there's a core of righteous people? Would, would they be able to stand as a representative and vicariously you wouldn't destroy the others because of those, that, that small group of the righteous? Moses stands as a representative for the people of Israel. Uh, the, 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 the paralyzed man in Mark 4, uh, his friends, it's his friend's faith that brings about his healing. These things are all pointing to this idea that maybe, just maybe, God would allow one righteous person to stand in place of all of the unrighteous. And what is that pointing us forward to? That is pointing us forward to the ultimate one, Jesus Christ, the ultimate righteous one who went and stood in place of all of the unrighteous. And in him doing that, he provides the way that we could actually be brought to God. That one righteous man, one righteous man could stand in the place of billions of unrighteous people. And God would look and say, yes, because of you, I will save. Because of you, I will save. Now, if that principle is true, the first and most important thing is, have you run to Christ? Have, have you run to Christ? Have you let Christ be your substitute? Have you let him stand vicariously for you? You and I are not righteous, but he is. And God will let him stand as your substitute in your place. But if that's true and we've run to him, then what are we invited to do? We're invited to advocate for that, like that for our city. What, what if we prayed like Abraham? And we went to God and we said, God, we, we know our city's broken. We know there's a lot of hurt and a lot of harm and a lot of, a lot of issues. But God, would, would, would you, as, as we stand for them, as we pray for them, God, would you work in this city in ways that we couldn't imagine? Not, not because they deserve it, not, not, be, not even because we deserve it, because there's a righteous one who stands for us. What if we prayed for our city like that? What if we fought for our city like that? What if we loved our neighbors like that? 
You know, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The point is you don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be worried about a thing. And that should lead us, the people of God, to be a non-anxious presence in this city, to actually be able to come alongside our neighbors and our coworkers and offer light and joy and hope, the hope of something better, the truth of the gospel, the truth of who Jesus is. So let's seek his kingdom above everything else. So uh, as we come to the table, if you've trusted Jesus, man, this bread and this cup, they make all the sense in the world. The bread representing his body broken for you. The blood is, the cup is blood spilled for you. Come up here and get this. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus, you've never actually had the righteous one stand for you, stand on your behalf, there'll be some prayers on the screen. And we invite you to read those uh, as, as, uh, as we take communion. If our servers will please come, let's pray. God, thanks for this, uh, this time together. And uh, that was a lot of content and a lot of stuff. Uh, but God, we are a local church and we do live in a specific city. And we want to be faithful with the opportunities that you've put in front of us. We, we want to serve you with everything we got. We want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And we want to rest in the fact that you'll provide everything we need that we really literally do not have to worry about a thing. God, your kindness overwhelms us. This gospel is such good news. We thank you for this bread and this cup. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.